Welcome to the podcast of Grace and Peace Church. We're glad you're journeying with us, and we hope that you find value from the teachings. If you'd like to connect or support the mission of Grace and Peace Church, check us out at graceandpeacechurch.org or find us on Instagram or Facebook. Grace and Peace. Well, Happy New Year, everyone. Excited to be in the 2022. Can't believe it's already 2022. It's unreal. But we are stepping back into our series, the sermon series that we did before Advent started. And we are in Mark chapter 5, and the series is called Walk With Me. It's this idea of walking with Jesus through uh, his life and his teachings and how he interacted with people. And so we're in Mark chapter 5, we're going to dig into that right now. Uh, But first thing I want to do is kind of rewind back to last week. We did a gratitude service. Uh, It was kind of post-Christmas Day. Um, time just to sit and reflect on the ways that God has transformed life for us. And, um, and so the passage that we use, I want to read, and it'll probably pop up on the screen here, is in Philippians chapter 3. And we spoke a little bit about being intentionally grateful for what's going on and having this continual rhythm, a daily rhythm of gratitude that shifts our mindset, that helps us focus on the things that God's doing, not only in our lives, but in other people's lives. And it begins to change our posture. It changes how we engage the world. And so Paul does a beautiful job of setting this up for us. And this is not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of what of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, do not consider I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. Like he hasn't arrived. He hasn't fully accomplished what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. What we see here is a posture of continual growth a posture that says, I want to continually be developing in my faith journey with Christ. And I believe that that's such a good reminder as we start out 2022, that we can begin to set goals, because I know many of us are doing that. Um, I know that I look back on my last year's kind of core values. I didn't really set specific goals. I had a couple, but I don't need to get into that. But uh, I did focus on a few things that I wanted to value, and I really hit the mark on some of those areas. But then definitely failed in other areas and want to continue to improve. And so the tendency can be to look back and go, man, I did horrible. I'm not going to do anything. But the the call, the invitation that, that Paul puts before us here in Jesus is keep pursuing. Like, sure, you haven't arrived. Sure, you haven't succeeded in uh, accomplishing uh, this perfect life in Christ. You're continually growing, continually pursuing him, continually learning, um, even I as a pastor have to continue to learn, continue to grow and develop my character uh, into being more like Christ and just continually pushing into that. And so that's just my reminder as we get into this, this study today um, and as you set your goals um, and as you think about your faith journey, um, don't feel guilty for what what took place. Um, don't Don't um, I guess beat yourself up for last year or whatever the things that you haven't accomplished, but let's begin to, like he says, straining forward, looking forward. Let's begin to look forward into the things that Jesus invites us to do 
um, and begin to set goals and um, and begin to keep our focus on him. And so as part of that, we're digging into chapter five. And uh, there's this beautiful story here that's going to unfold here about a rescue. And, um, and so we're going to we're going to press on forward. So if you have your Bibles or if you want to just follow along, it'll be on the screen for you to check out. Um, but if you want to break out some notes, there's a digital bulletin at graceandpeacechurch.org that you can track along. They'll have the notes in there and some links to some resources that I'll drop as I teach through this passage. So before I read this, I want to, um, I guess, set the stage by saying Jesus is continually restoring. Like if you turn this video off now and get nothing else out of this, I just hope that you hear that Jesus is continually restoring. And this story here that we're going to read uh, as we see how Jesus interacted uh, with a man who was demon-possessed, uh, we begin to see a beautiful picture of restoration. We see a picture of God's heart for us, for all people. I recently saw this movie called The Rescue. And I'm sure you remember hearing on the news uh, this boys' soccer team that got stuck in a cave in Thailand. And it they got stuck, I think it was 1.6 kilometers into the cave. Uh, heavy rains came down and uh, the cave ended up flooding. And they got stuck in one of these caverns that are up inside there. And, um, and they were stuck in there for 10 days before they were even found. But in that process, there was this group of cave divers, which I didn't really even know that that was a thing, but I guess it was like this niche dive community of cave divers who go in and uh, just love being in crazy claustrophobic type spaces and, uh, and love just really getting into um, rebreathers and all kinds of the tanks and all the stuff that's required. Um, there's even a guy in there, if you end up watching this, I'm not ruining it, but um, that goes to the extent of like even making his own gear because a lot of the gear isn't fully available to the world apparently because of how niche this this community is but um but this movie i would highly recommend checking it out um jimmy chin is uh, was a co-director in that he's the guy who did uh free solo with alex honnold um guy who free soloed el cap pretty pretty amazing story as well um but these cave divers um i was just so intrigued watching this story of how they after hearing the news of these boys being stuck these uh, I think it was 12 boys and their coach stuck in this cave that they sprung into action that they saw this as like this is the thing that they're called to do and um and so there's some people that called and reached out to them and they dropped everything they had work-wise and instantly went to help and uh, what inspired me was this heart of compassion that we see in everyone involved I hope that you take some time to watch the movie uh, or the documentary, I should say. Um, but this this very evident uh, example of self-sacrifice uh, was woven throughout this whole story. Um, the initial video that maybe I'll throw up here on the, the, the screen here is, um, is the guy who, the two guys who found the boys um, after going through uh, just zero visibility of diving for hours and hours um, 
when they pop up and see them, the first thing they do um, is reassure them that everything's going to be okay. Um, and the hardest part is that those two divers had to tell them, we're not going to be able to rescue right now. We're not going to be able to take you out of this cave. Um, but rescue is on its way. And I thought that was just so beautiful, but yet it had to have been so gut wrenching to find them and not be able to help them. Imagine not eating for 10 days, being stuck in this small space, uh, with 12 other people. I just, the, the whole scenario is, is unreal. And, uh, I got to admit my eyes were sweating a few times. Um, my, my girls do a good job of calling me out and be like, dad, I never see you cry. But like, this was like one of those movies that just captivates your heart and begins to just uh, paint a picture of just beautiful sacrifice. And, um, and so I just want to set the stage of this passage with that story. So Mark chapter five, verses one through 20. They went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an evil spirit came from the tombs to meet him. The man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had been often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, He would cry out and cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want from me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man, you evil spirit, or unpure spirit, unclean spirit. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. He begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs, allow us to go into them. He gave them permission and the evil spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave the region. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him, but said, Go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell the Decapolis, that's the town that he lived in, the ten cities, how much Jesus had done for him, and all the people were amazed. So the first thing that stood out to me, and we're not going to hit every single truth that's in this passage, all 20 verses, there's a lot to cover, um, but there's a, a core element of rescue that takes place here. A rescue that Jesus, that Mark actually begins to 
spell out in looking at Jesus's life and describing Jesus's life and the encounters that he had with people. Um, he uses this as one of those stories, one of those examples to illustrate the heart of God and how God is pursuing us and how God is continually coming after us. I know this is a very extreme situation, but what I see here is an example of rescue that Jesus is doing continually, um, almost on a, a daily basis, right? A moment by moment basis in our lives as we encounter him. One of the first verses that stands out is this idea where uh, the the man comes to Jesus and says, don't torture me. The, the demons are so overpowering his life um, that he's fearful that there would be a torture involved, that there would be some kind of pain involved. And first off, we have to acknowledge that there's always going to be two worlds at play. Um, there's always going to be two worlds that want our attention, that want our focus. There's going to be the ways that God invites us into, and then everything else, right? Um, those could be uh, neutral um, things, or they could be very obviously evil things. Um, and I would argue that even the neutral things at, time, at times can step in and rob us of really um, experiencing true joy and can be confused with the good that is in Jesus, um, and so what we see here is that there's clearly these two worlds, one that leads to life and one that leads to death. And this guy is uh, clearly caught up in this life that is destroying him. Um, this evil that has taken over his life that is destroying him. And one of the observations I see is that anytime Jesus steps in to set people free, there will be a resistance that will take place. Um, and so I want to just remind us that don't be surprised that as we set new goals this year and as we step into faith, um, if your faith journey is new for you or if it's been going on for um, years and years and years, um, don't be surprised when there is resistance to the change that you desire Jesus to take place in your life. Um, transformation, change will always have friction. There will always be a tension there. And the writer Mark is trying to convey this restoration plan that Jesus is living out. And so in order to really appreciate, I think we have to begin to see what are the areas that this man is being restored in. Um, first thing we see is he's a man with impure spirit. And if you're skeptical of this impure spirit, or um, if you want to, like, different translations are going to word it differently, that he's uh, possessed by a demon, uh, or many demons, as it says, there's a legion, uh, which would have been, I think, 6,000. Um, in any rate, it's meant to, like, describe there's a lot of evil spirit. Unclean spirit is another term that's used there, which we'll dig into in a little bit here in a second. But, um and if you're skeptical of that taking place, if you're like, I've never seen that happen in my life, um, I would encourage you to talk to a paramedic or talk to a firefighter or travel to um, maybe Haiti. I know that Haiti's been one of those places where I've seen evil spirits actually taking over people's lives where it's very physically obvious that that is not the person that is in control at that time. 
and it, it, it gives me chills just thinking about it right now. So if you're skeptical, um, I would just say begin to have some conversations and look into it. Um, not something that has to be really dug into too deeply, but um, it clearly exists in our world. So I just want to say that. And, and this is clearly a situation of this man being um, run, overrun by an unpure, impure spirit. And so then the second thing we see is uh, no one could bind him. It says no one could keep him contained. Um, so they were trying to help him, but couldn't. Uh, third thing is we see he had often been bound by chains by his community trying to help. Um, so there's an element of attempt to help, um, but he's breaking free of these chains. And then um, we see that he lives in the graveyard. So he lives among the dead. Um, and and that generally would have been in any city in that era, uh, a place where you wouldn't go. Um, it's, uh, anytime you're around dead bodies, those kind of things, you'd be ceremonially unclean. Um, there was just a, a culture around not being around that. And so he would be outcast. That would have been an outcast part of town. And so him living there 24 seven in a graveyard and in the Hills, um, just shows how rejected and how destroyed, um, and, and chained up he is metaphorically by these demons and by, um, this life that he's, he's in, in the midst of. And so then it says that he's also crying out and cutting himself. So there's a, a level of abuse, um, self-abuse. And, and again, that would be reflective of being just completely um, chained up by the thing that Jesus comes to set us free from. And that is evil. Um, I think this paints a really clear, really clear picture of the pain that he finds himself in. Sometimes I think we live in such insular lives that we don't recognize the pain uh, of others around us. Um, I know this would have been a very obvious one, but to kind of bring it home, I think there's areas in our lives where we see this sort of thing happen on a smaller scale, a less obvious one. Um, but yet, Sometimes we live such disconnected and insular lives that we don't really, we don't see uh, the pain, the sorrow, the destruction that's taking place in people's lives. And, and especially in a culture where we're so driven to put on a nice veneer through social media, um, that things are always cheery, always happy, always good. We don't ever really see these things um, take place unless we are a group of people a kind of people who, like Jesus, seek out helping people and seek out ways to bring people to freedom, to seek out opportunities to help people experience the freedom that Jesus invites us into. And so um, just one of the, the like side notes that I would um, like encourage us to is a reminder that I had personally um, through uh, our worship leader, Matt. He did a post, if you want to follow him um, on Twitter or on social media, it's uh, Matt Ghost, you can look him up. Um, but one of the things that uh, he wrote, uh, as he has a beautiful way of articulating things at times, that uh, really capt- captures this, um, this heart of not just self-improvement in this season, as we have this New Year's resolution uh, spree that's going to take place. Um, 
one of the things that he pointed out was that any kind of self-improvement that is just centered around me improving myself and doesn't have any element of me improving others' lives um, can be very nearsighted. Um, that it can be very much just inward focused and miss an opportunity to live out the core values that Jesus invites us into of loving our neighbor. And so as you set your goals, I just want to say, let's continue to be thinking how there might be people in our lives that are dealing with pain, that are dealing with the destructive patterns of evil that begin to seep into our lives and into people's lives in different ways that that we just, we have opportunity to step in and bring the light of Christ into. So little side note, but as you make your plans, as you make your New Year's resolutions, center around finding ways to not only improve ourselves, but also to begin to serve in our communities, to serve people around us. And I'll give us some tangible ways to do that here in a minute. But let's continue on. In verse nine, Jesus asks this man who's filled with the unclean spirit. He says, what is your name? And the legion responds with, we are many, we are, or sorry, the, the, um, the demons respond with, we are legion, we are many. There's so many of us here that have completely taken over this guy. And so in Jesus asking him, what's your name? I think what Jesus does is illuminate the fact that this man has been robbed of his name. Robbed of the original intended life that he had been given. He's overrun by a legion, overrun by unpure spirits, not living the life that was fully intended for him. So let's look at this idea of spirit. Again, the word unpure spirit would signify that it's the opposite of a holy spirit or a clean spirit or a spirit that God intends for us. The Spirit is describing what we cannot see with our naked eye. Um, We can't see it. It's not tangible, something we can't grip into, but it is something we experience. It is something that we begin to see as it's lived out, as it's encountered in the way that, um, that is working in and through us. Pneuma in the Greek uh, is the word breath or wind. Paul often describes this contrast of spirit being flesh or spirit, and that flesh is kind of the worldly physical things that we experience, and then spirit being something that is greater, more powerful, less tangible in a a way that we see here, um, but is more something that has to do with the soul, something that is inside of us. It's something that is all around that is not so physical. The Old Testament uses this Hebrew word, ruach. And this is best described in the book of Ezekiel, where it says that God breathes ruach into dry bones and brings life. And so it's this picture of the breath of God, the breath that is good, the wind that is good, that is what call, what God calls us to be a part of. And if you want to dig into this, um, this is one of those things that isn't super easy to articulate in five minutes, 
Um, So I'd encourage you to dig into this more, but this idea of the wind of God, the breath of God, the movement of God uh, being mysterious, um, it's worth digging into and digging into all the ways that you see it lived out in scripture. Um, So I'd invite you just to like break out if you want to look out like blueletterbible.com or if you want to look up biblestudytools.com and just type in the word spirit. And there's some beautiful word studies you can do as you dig into that. Um, But the simplest form um, is that it's at the heartbeat of life or death. There's this contrast that the spirit of God and the, the intention of God, the will of God is for life. And the intention and the spirit of this unclean spirit is for death, destruction, decay, chains, pain, suffering, sorrow that we begin to see lived out in this man's life. And this contrast begins to show us this restoring work that Jesus is doing. Today's passage, again, it reorients us back to the restorative work that Jesus is continually doing, that he wants to bring life and life to the full, that the spirit that he invites us into transforms life. And that's why I used that story earlier of the rescue that took place, that there was a spirit that I believe those cave divers, not even fully aware of at times, um, there's a spirit of truth that they stepped into. There's a spirit of love that they recognized needed to take place, of self-sacrifice, dropping their jobs, their whatever material needs at that time, there's whatever concerns just to go and help others. That there was a spirit of loving humanity, loving people. And that self-sacrifice is what Jesus invites us into. And uh, the film isn't a Christian film, but what you see there is a spirit, the pneuma, the breath of God at work. And you begin to see that there is an element of faith. I don't want to give it all away as you watch it, but there's an element of questioning faith and what that role is in our lives in giving us hope and giving us um, a, a desire to persevere, um, a purpose to continue to chase after. And in verse 18 to 20, it says, the man went back and shared what Jesus had done in his life. But initially the man says, can I go with you? I need to go with you because you've transformed my life. And that's such a beautiful picture of worship that When we see what Jesus has done, we want to continually be with him. We want to continue to journey with him. And not that that stops. But what Jesus says is, now that you've encountered this, go back and share it with your people, your town, the people that you hang out with, the people that you know really well. And so this restorative work doesn't just stop with him. It continues on. Because what we see there is that there's a lot of onlookers that were fearful, concerned, not unsure. They just weren't sure what's going on. But then his testimony created a response. In the very last um, uh, words there, it says, and all the people were amazed that there was an awe and wonder at what Jesus had done to restore this man's life. we are invited into a restoration project to be set free and keep that for ourselves is missing half the story. 
first half of the story is that restoration, the beautiful transformation of his life. But then the second half is that he goes back and begins to share that with others and others begin to encounter that same truth about who Jesus is and the process of restoring life that he's all about. We are not only set free for our own good, we are set free so that others might be set free as well. Going back to that movie, the the, the 13 boys uh, that were stuck in that cave um, in Thailand required very trained cave divers. And these cave divers, as I mentioned earlier, were super unique. They're such a small, tight community. There's a very small amount of them in this world um, that travel around and find these caves and go dive through them. Um, They're so specialized um, and so unique. And I find that interesting because even one of the guys at one point describes how he's turning on a CNC machine, his own kind of parts and stuff for his tanks because they're not really made for the general population. And, um, and so what we see is just these guys that are super into their hobby and then discover that their hobby, the thing that they're so passionate about can now help set some people free and help bring freedom to people. Um, I thought that was just so beautiful. And I, I loved watching in that film, their awareness in that process of this niche hobby that we have has now saved lives. And I believe that all of us have niche hobbies, places that God's called us to that can bring restoration, that can allow us to step in and be a voice for restoration, for that love of Christ to bring in begin to step in and bring freedom. The town tried to step in and help this guy, but it didn't work out. Because it's an interesting element that they tried to chain him up. They tried using tactics that just didn't work. I believe the tactic that Jesus invites us into is recognizing that we've been set free, watching that transform our lives as we've rid, as the Holy Spirit moves in and rids us of addictions, rids us of dependency on finances, dependency on thinking that health is going to be with us forever, um, dependency on um, on ourselves, ultimately. And we recognize that we are dependent on Jesus, that he's the one that gives us this way of life that is beautiful, that is good, is life-giving. And, um, and we begin to center life around that. It transforms everything. And so our prayer is that we as a church community can be that kind of place, that in our jobs, in how we gather, when we do get to gather, um, when we interact with family members, with neighbors that live next door, when we interact with people that we work with on a regular basis, we have opportunities to be a place of restoration. And this church doesn't exist in these walls. I'm here at the, the, in, in the church at the building, but it doesn't, it's not contained to this, this building. It's contained by nothing. It's, con, it's completely dependent on Jesus, and Jesus goes everywhere, and he goes with us. And so we have opportunities as individuals to go step in, to be a place that um, brings freedom. And so a couple questions to help guide you this week as we begin to step into ways that this begin, can begin to transform life 
is take a moment to reflect on what area of your life needs restoration. Because we can't speak about a restoration that we haven't experienced. And so maybe there's still areas of your life that need to be restored. Um, Maybe there's things that happened this last year that need restoration, relationships that need restoration, um, identity in who you are and understanding that you are loved, deeply loved and cared for by Jesus. Maybe there's a restoration that needs to happen there, a restoration of our mind, the voice that we listen to, that we continually hear. Maybe that needs to be restored. Um, write down, take, take, take some moments to be silent, to listen. What are the areas that you need restoration? And then bring those to Jesus. He wants to begin to set you free from those things. And then the second part is, what's the area that God's called you to go and share um, to return to, to begin to step into the same way these hobbyists, the same way that this man went back into his town. What are the areas you need to go back into and share life with others, uh, share Jesus with others, talk about the restoration, begin to set people free. Um, The Holy Spirit does all the work, but he wants to use us. He wants to work through us. And so grace and peace to you as you step into these opportunities. And I pray that you experience that freedom. If you have any questions, again, reach out to us, graceandpeacechurch.org. There's a uh, connect card on there, a digital connect card. We'd love to connect with you. If you need prayer for anything, there's a spot for prayer requests, comments, questions. Dig into it. We're here. Grace and peace. Rejoice in knowing that we never walk alone. Know the grace and peace of Christ walking beside us guiding and protecting us. Share this comfort with one another and feel his presence each moment of each day. Amen.